Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. You may say the Holy Spirit upon you. You may say uh, filled with the Spirit or um, uh, baptized with the Spirit and and all these different terminologies that we use. And we've talked about um, what that is and the benefits of it. Today we're going to talk about like how do you actually receive this and like what's the difference and where's all the confusion between the gift of tongues and praying in other tongues. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, I want to read to you. Beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 19, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth. Now, if you, we don't have time in this service, but Apollos, if you want to know a little bit more about Apollos, just go back to chapter 18 and uh, start in verse 24 and and read there. It'll tell you all about Apollos. Um, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Now, um, disciples, that just means learners or followers. So many times when we read or we think about disciples, especially in the New Testament, we think about disciples of Jesus. We think about these were people who were following Jesus. But also John the Baptist had disciples. He had people who learned from him and followed him. As we read this, I believe that these people were um, disciples of John the Baptist, and you'll see why in just a minute. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So here you have these learners or these followers um, that, that Paul finds, and he says, okay, you have believed something, but when you believed, did you, have the, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Which again reiterates what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, that you can be saved, you can give your life to Jesus, you can be a Christian, you can make it to heaven and never be filled with the Holy Spirit and never pray in other tongues. This is not a heaven or hell issue. He says, no, these people say, no, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So here Paul is like, well, if you've never even heard of the Holy Spirit, how were you baptized? Because remember, when you gave your life to Jesus, the, 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 the subsequent act was you got baptized. In the New Testament, you got saved, you got baptized. You got saved, you got baptized. You got saved, you got baptized. And so he's like, okay, if you're saying that you're a follower, if you're a learner, even of John the Baptist, then he was the one we know he baptized, right? Like that was, that was his thing. So I know that you got baptized, but if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, then what were you, how did you, what were you baptizing? They're like in John's baptism, which tells us that it's likely that this was a disciple of John that was baptizing in his name, but not actually John baptizing. Because everything that we read about John the Baptist, he was making a way for Jesus and he was pointing people to Jesus. So if these people were baptized by John, they would have known what Paul was talking about here. But y'all know how it is. If, if, it comes, if it starts here and then the next person carries it on, the next person loses a little something. And then the next person loses a little something. So here you have these people who were baptized into John's baptism, but they had never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. 
telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. That was, that was John's message. It was Jesus is going to come. We need to repent. We need to turn, and, and we need to, to turn from the error of our ways and turn to God, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to save us. And in verse 5, it says, on hearing this, now, this can't be all that was said, but essentially here what, what Paul is saying is you guys were baptized because you believed in what John was teaching. But what John was teaching has already happened. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already died for your sins. He's already risen again. So, so you need to not just believe in a repentance and something that will come that John preached, but in actually Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins, paid the price, and was risen again. And it says that on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, this was after they had been baptized, which means that they had believed because Paul would not have baptized them if they would have not believed in Jesus. Again, you give your life, you believe in Jesus, then you're baptized. So in that process, they then believe they are not yet filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then after verse five, in verse six, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This was all after. This is not the only time that this happened. If we were to look um, back in chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, it says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that in Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For they had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So you see this multiple times throughout the New Testament. These people that had not even heard of the Holy Spirit, even though they had believed. And listen, there's a lot of people now that have never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But most of us in this room, we've probably heard of it, but there's clearly some confusion on it. Not just in this room, but in church, in the body of Christ. There's so much division and so many different teachings on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. And is it gone or is it still available? And what does it do? And how do you do it? Like there's all this confusion. And part of the confusion is because um, the church has not done a good job of differentiating between the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Another way of saying this is like a tongue that's given in a corporate setting with an interpretation and praying in other tongues. And so when you read through the scriptures, if you don't make that differentiating this distinction of, of which one is which, then it is absolutely confusing. It is amazingly confusing. It will have you in circles to the point where you just throw your hands up and like this doesn't even make any sense. But if you will go through scripture and you will realize that there are two different things here that Paul especially talks about, um, then you can start to see not just what the difference is, but what praying in tongues is and how you receive it. For, for time's sake, let me, let me kind of go quickly through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. He tells us about nine gifts, um, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, special faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, and interpretation. Now, these gifts, Paul tells us, they are gifts that are given as the Spirit decides. So no man or no woman can decide they are going to do this. 
They can't decide they are going to have special faith. They can't, they can't choose to have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. These are gifts that are given to men or women, and they are given as the Holy Spirit leads in uh, a setting that is not just them by themselves, in where two or three are gathered. And, and in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells that not every believer will, will experience these gifts, that God gives these gifts, but not all of us will experience these gifts. Not everybody will, will in, a, in a church setting or in a corporate setting, uh, give a tongue or give an interpretation. That's not necessarily for everybody. Um, and that these gifts uh, are for the church and for the church coming together. And I say church, we are the church. I'm not talking about in this building. I'm talking about where two or three are gathered in his name. Right after 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, shocker, spoiler alert, is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, many of us know simply as the love chapter, um, but at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul says, that there is a more excellent way that he will show us. And then he goes into talking about um, love. But before he talks about love, one of the things that we often pass through is verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men, now this is languages, languages of men. Now, now, if over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, we looked at like in Acts chapter 2, when they first spoke in other tongues, they were actually speaking languages of men, of people that could hear and understand what it is that they were saying. Different languages. It would be like me speaking in Spanish or French or whatever. Like, that is what was happening. And so sometimes what people will say is, well, the tongues and praying in tongues, like, that's not, that's not praying in tongues because you're not speaking another language. Like, it's, it's just gibberish. It's not French. It's not Spanish. Y'all heard my story a couple weeks ago. Like, I didn't understand because this wasn't another language. But if you keep reading in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it says, not just in tongues of men, but and of angels, but have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging simple. And many times we focus on, and rightly so, that love, without love, all of this is void. All of this is just noise. But there is a language of men, and there is a language of heaven. And many times we pass through that. And in 1 Corinthians um, 13, another, another uh, uh, in verse 8, many people will say, okay, well, well, tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and praying in tongues, like all of that has passed away. It passed away with the disciples and the apostles because it's no longer needed. And the reason that many of them will say that um, starts in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It says, love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. Now, that is true. There will be a time where there will be no more prophecy, there will be no more tongues, there will be no more interpretation of tongues. And the reason for that is because there will be no more need for tongues and interpretation of tongues or prophecy. If you keep reading, it says, as for knowledge, it will pass away. Is there anybody here who believes that knowledge has passed away? Actually, when you go back and look, especially in the book of Daniel, the prophecy of Daniel we're seeing now lived out in our days is that knowledge is increasing. Knowledge is increasing more rapidly than it ever has in any point in history. So we cannot take a, a part of a verse and not the rest of the verse. So if you're saying that prophecies have already passed away because it says that they will pass away, and tongues has passed away because it says that it will cease, then also we have to say that knowledge is passed away. None of us would say that. 
we can't just take one verse. Keep reading. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When the perfect comes. That's when we get to heaven. When the perfection of no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin, no more, no, more, no more negative, no more Satan, no more evil. When that comes, when the perfect comes, then, then we don't need to have tongues and interpretation of tongues. We don't need to have prophecy and, and we don't need to have knowledge because we are in the presence of one who is knowledge and has all knowledge. All of that will pass away, but it will not pass away until we get to that place where the perfect has come. And then you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 takes a little bit of study to to be able to differentiate um, what Paul is talking about here. Because again, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 simply as uh, the chapter to explain tongues and the entirety of tongues, it is going to confuse you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you have to understand is 1 Corinthians 14 is a compare and contrast of the spiritual gift of tongues along with praying in other tongues. Now, when you, when you look at that um, in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, he tells us about the gift of tongues. And let me talk about that for a second. So in, in 1 Corinthians 14, as well as in other places, we, when we read about the gift of tongues, we're reading again about a church gathering. And we're, we're, we're reading about a time where the Holy Spirit will speak through a person and it will be um, either in the languages of men that that person doesn't know or in the languages of heaven that nobody in the room knows. But every time that that happens, we are told that there must be an interpretation. And Paul goes at length with explaining this to us. Like if somebody comes in and we're just praying in tongues or we're, we're speaking as a gift, uh, the gift of tongues, and we're just... They're speaking with no interpretation, then they're, they're like, that doesn't make any sense. And the church gathering is not just for you. It's for all of us, right? And so every time that there is a tongue, something that we don't understand with our mind, given there must be an interpretation. God will always give an interpretation. And the interpretation explains what the tongue was speaking. You follow me? Now, let me, let me just say this really quickly. Um, if you're like, man, I don't know about all this, and I've heard, like, somebody give a tongue, and, like, man, they went for, like, two minutes, and then the interpretation was, like, 30 seconds. That, that, that still could very well be God. It doesn't mean that they, either one of them miss God. Listen, if you ask me a question, and I give you an answer, my answer now has, is going to be in a circle form. It's going to be fairly feminine in an answer form. Y'all know what I mean by that? Females, y'all talk in circles. <laughs> Guys, we talk in straight lines. Somewhere along the way, I've become feminine in my responses. So if you ask me a question, I'm not just going to answer the question. I'm going to tell you why I'm answering the question that way. I'm going to tell you the, the, what I used to think about that answer, and I'm going to tell you why. I, like I'm, going to, I'm going to answer it very feminine. And sometimes in my conversation with guys, I can just see them like, Pastor, come on. You answered it 10 minutes ago. Why are you still talking? <laughs> like, I, I get that. It's a, I can't stop. I can't, I just, and, and I try, and I'm just about to give up on trying because just, that's just the way it is. But most guys, if you answer, ask them a question, they just, they'll give you an answer. And that's it. 
There's differences in the way God speaks to us and the way God speaks through us. So he may give a tongue to someone who communicates more feminine, <laughs> but he may give the interpretation to someone who, who communicates more masculine or vice versa. It doesn't mean that either one has missed it, but God is able to say what he needs to say, not based on an exact uh, uh, second uh, uh, corresponding to the tongue and the interpretation, but based on the words that he needs to get out to the people he needs to get them out to. So this gift of tongues always has an interpretation. So um, another way that you might read this in the scripture is simply prophecy. So prophecy can be tongues plus interpretation. Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Or God could just speak in a corporate setting where he just has prophecy. Prophecy would essentially be the interpretation without the tongue. Everybody follow that? Um, So prophecy will empower, it will encourage, and it will comfort. We read that in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. So whenever we come up, and let's say it's in a church setting or in this corporate setting, and there's a tongue or there's an interpretation, um, it w- that, in- that interpretation of what God is saying should always empower us, encourage us, and comfort us every single time, because that's what Paul is telling us in this gift of tongues and, and what it does. Um, pr- he also tells us that prophecy, which again is tongues plus interpretation or simply prophecy, should be sought more than the prayer language of tongues because it builds up more than yourself. So, so recognize that. He's not saying that there is nothing that just only builds up yourself. He's saying tongues and interpretation or prophecy in this setting is better because it builds up more people. It doesn't just build up you, which means there must be something that just builds up you. And when you read in 1 Corinthians 14, he's comparing and contrasting the thing that builds you up, which we would say is your private prayer language. It's speaking the mysteries of God that we read in verse 2. It's not speaking to men, uh, which is why men can't understand it including yourself. It's why you don't understand it because you're speaking in heavenly languages, in the, in the languages of angels, not of men. And so we can't understand it. Um, you, can, you can also interpret your own prayer language. So you can go in your home, in your car, wherever, and you can pray in other tongues and you can ask God and he, he may give you the interpretation of that. But he doesn't always give you the interpretation of that. We talked about last week the point and what, these, what praying in tongues does for you and the benefits of that. But one of them is you can pray and have that interpretation given to you if God wills. Now, prophecy, it, told, it tells us, is a sign for believers and tongues are a sign for unbelievers that we should desire prophecy and not forbid speaking in tongues. It tells us in verse 39 and 40 to do everything in decency and in order. So, 1 Corinthians 14, for time's sake, I know we had to go through that really fast, but you have to be able to, to, to rightly divide the word to be able to understand this. You have to be able to, to study to understand, okay, Paul is talking about praying in other tongues. Paul is talking about the gift of the Spirit. Now he's talking about praying in other tongues. He's comparing, he's contrasting, he's showing us the difference in these. Um, if, you're, if you still want to know more about that, this is a shameless plug for Empowerment Academy because we'll go into teaching that on a deeper level um, in those sessions. Now, how do, you actually, how do you actually receive the Holy Spirit? So we read here in Acts 19, I referenced in Acts chapter 8, where somebody laid hands on 
on somebody and they received the Holy Spirit and they began uh, praying in other tongues. That's definitely one of the ways. But we don't need to get bogged down in um, the method of that, of, of laying hands or of being in a church service or um, having to tarry or wait, whatever those uh, religious things that have been created. Th- those things, as we've seen in people's stories, and my story the first week and Minister Vanessa's story last week and Pastor Priscilla and Minister Angelo's story this week, like God does this in different ways with different people. Sometimes it's somebody laying hands. Um, sometimes we read in the New Testament, they were hearing the word and, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. Other times um, they prayed for it and they received it. But every time that it was asked for, it was received the first in that setting, in the first try, if you will. Every time in the New Testament. There was no, okay, I asked for it, I prayed for it, and I didn't get it, and then I have to go, and, and then I second time, and then the third time, if the Lord hath finally hath blessed me hath, with the Holy Spirit. Hath. Like, that, we don't read that. It, it, why? Because this is a good gift that God gives to us. So, how do we receive it? First of all, we've established this over every week, is that the first prerequisite is you must be a believer. You must be a believer. This is a benefit. This is a gift. Holy Spirit coming upon you is for those that Holy Spirit is already in you. And um, the, the, the believer part of this is not just a belief in Jesus, but you really need to get to a place where you believe in the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will come upon you that the Holy Spirit is in you and he will come upon you. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not primarily a matter of our feelings. Um, It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of faith. Like if you're a believer and you say you want the Holy Spirit, but you you genuinely believe there's no way the Holy Spirit would ever be upon you and you, you don't think that you could ever pray in other tongues and you never move to the place where you're willing to even open yourself up to that, you are going to keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length. You're going to keep him away, not because he wants to be away, but because of your beliefs. Um, The second thing is we're going to say is ask. And in Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 13, Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you're a believer in Jesus and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to say ask God to, to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. Now, there are many instances in the New Testament where they didn't ask They were just filled and they were received. But in the context of I am here today, I believe in Jesus, I want this, but I don't yet have this, then let's ask. Because Jesus says that we can ask and the the heavenly father will give to those who ask. Um, The third thing is completely yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Completely yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. This is where it gets difficult to articulate how to do this. Because it looks different for different people. Like Pastor Priscilla said, she was in a church and they were telling her to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. That, that wasn't, I told y'all my story. I don't, I don't know about the Jesus. I don't know what, I don't know. But she got it, right? Like, why did she get it? It wasn't because they have a formula of say Jesus 49 times and then you all of a sudden, it's not, it's not about that. Right? It's about yielding yourself and opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit and being willing, like she said on her video, to, ha- to be courageous enough to kind of put yourself out there. 
to look silly or foolish or not know what you're saying or sound like it's just gibberish coming out of your mouth. Like, like this pride that keeps us from yielding to the Holy Spirit will absolutely manifest in being able to receive the Holy Spirit because this is one of the ways that, that like, man, we, we, we become vulnerable. We become vulnerable. Like I said in my story, like, what if I'm not doing it right? What if that's not, mine doesn't sound like theirs. I don't know how to, like, I don't know. Is it in my head? Is it not? Like, all these questions make us kind of shut down and don't allow us to open up and truly be vulnerable like we need to. But you need to be vulnerable and completely yield to the Holy Spirit. One of the ways that you do this, um, and again, this is hard to articulate, but you disconnect your mind from this act. And you connect your spirit. Now, this is hard, right? But, but you know, you may have driven here today and you, your mind was disconnected. Like, you've, you've been here so many times, you didn't even think about, like, how to get here. Like, you just know, you just know, and you just try, and then you're here. Like, we know how to do this. It's just hard to tell you how to do it. But you can disconnect your mind and you connect your spirit just by praying in other tongues. And maybe it doesn't happen like immediately the moment that you start praying in other tongues. But, but as you get into it, your mind begins to disconnect more and more and your spirit begins to connect. And there's something very powerful that happens. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men. We talked about that earlier, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. In verse 14 and 15 of 1 Corinthians 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. And what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. There was research done um, several years ago now in the University of Pennsylvania. They took brain images of these women while they, they spoke in tongues and found that their frontal lobes, the thinking, willful part of the brain, um, w- which people control what they do, were relatively quiet as they were praying, uh, as were the language centers of their brain. And the regions involved in maintaining self-consciousness were active, and the women were not in blind trances and it was unclear which region was driving the behavior so we disconnect our mind we connect our spirit we're still conscious but you learn to not think through this but to begin to connect your spirit in this and then as we read, it's as the Spirit gives them utterance. So you have to, when you're ready and you're yielded and you're a believer and, you, and you, you're asking for this to then open your mouth, as Pastor Priscilla said, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And it may come out just a syllable. It may come out foolish or gibberish to you. But it, you will not understand it and you don't need to understand it. But you have to open your mouth. You have to believe. You have to ask. You have to yield. And you have to open But if you will do that, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will begin to develop and strengthen this heavenly prayer language that will give you all the benefits plus so many more that we talked about last week of being able to strengthen your inner man, your spirit man, to be stronger spiritually, to be able to pray out the perfect will of God, to be able to comfort you and and, and guide you and lead you because we all need those things. So we all need the Holy Spirit. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512 
520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.